Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this episode. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talk with Eitan Sarfati. He's an architect and an entrepreneur. Aton's first venture into design tech was as a co-founder of See My Casa, which was acquired by Autodesk. Now, he's a co-founder and the CEO of Swap, which is spelled S-W-A-P-P. Swap is a platform that is moving architecture toward a smarter, highly efficient, and flexible design and building process using artificial intelligence. Just a word of warning here before we get started. This week was very frustrating for me because it was wrought with technical difficulties. So before we get started, I want to say a big thank you to Aton for hanging in there with us, especially since he joined us at about midnight Tel Aviv time where he was. Now back to the show. 
This is another one of those AI topics that I know challenges many in the architecture community. All week, we heard about fears of architects becoming irrelevant or creativity being removed from the design process. The good news is that if you actually listen to what Aton is saying and look at what he's working on, that's not at all what he thinks will happen. To me, this was a fascinating conversation about how the tool of AI could be leveraged to do the opposite. Maybe even as Aton put it, to save the profession of architecture. You'll just have to listen and judge for yourself. As usual, Catherine McPhail joined me for the conversation with Eitan Sarfati and then backstage afterwards. Catherine is my co-host and she's an architect and a podcaster from Arlington, Massachusetts. In addition to context and clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from the conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Eitan Sarfati. What I really appreciated about the conversation with, with Eitan is for all the fear that architects are going to be replaced or creativity is going to be taken out of the design process. Like he thinks exactly the opposite of that. And I, th I think that's, I think that's a real mindset shift for a lot of, a lot of people. But uh, for me, that was a really big takeaway is that, yeah, he, he's not in that camp. That's afraid of, of AI and architecture. No. And it's exciting to think that we can actually spend our time doing what matters to us, like whether it's research or writing or designing furniture. I don't know what it would be that we would be doing if we didn't have to do CDs. But personally, a lot of the architects that I talk to, especially people who work by themselves, uh, don't, they wish somebody else would do their CDs for them. And so this is basically it. And the thing is you could have an AI generated design and then it goes back to the architect for tweaking. And so it's not like it's completely done and the architect's out of a job. It's like the point is we're doing the most important thing, which first of all is programming the AI to do what we would like it to do and what you might like it to do and what I might like it to do are two different things. So that's why we still have our own imprint on that, on the work. Um, but I think it would be great if, if, if I could just have generated 15 different designs for something and I decide, okay, well, I like these three, the best, we're going to develop these three and show the clients. I don't know. It's pretty exciting. And then he was talking more about typologies, not so much the work that I do yet. He doesn't have that stuff, but um, you know, schools or other, other types of buildings like that, that have certain program that repeats. And I don't know. I think it's so exciting. One thing I thought was pretty interesting about the whole thing was that he owns it. So he owns the AI. So if I had a school to design, I would be his client. I would then pay him and I would pay him, you know, talk about the value pricing. I would pay him a lot of money to do that quickly. And the value in that is that it's done quickly, um, which 
I don't know why, but I was assuming that if AI is doing my stuff, it's even faster than what I can do now, which is way faster than I used to do it um, just with AutoCAD. And that was way faster than hand drawing. So I was just thinking, well, it's just going to be less expensive, but no, because you have to pay the AI owner of the AI. From what I understand about swap and what they do is they, they would partner with you on a project and it sounds like and like you said i mean he's he's talking about typologies that are primarily not residential and like you said schools or or multifamily housing or something like that and i think i think ultimately they're probably partnering with the developer of those projects but but yeah it's it's that i guess maybe part of it is that three-legged stool analogy of the the good fast cheap triangle and the what what fascinates me or one of the things i guess that fascinates me is this idea that yes you can iterate designs and you you may have spent in the past i don't know days or weeks or something coming up with a program for this for this uh project and the ai can accelerate that you work with the ai like you said you work with the ai to accelerate that and, and iterate and come up with more and more options. Having worked a lot in multifamily, in the multifamily world, I see a huge value in using this type of tool. And this is exactly what it is, is a tool to come up with the best, most marketable units. So your one bedroom unit, your two bedroom unit, whatever. And then the appropriate mix of those units. And um, that to me is a big place where value comes in because we've, we've spent a lot of time working out different mixes and, you know, get, trying to get that balance right based on a, on a, uh, a market study, you know, et cetera, things like that. But, you, but I think if I'm extending, extending, what's the value of this thing? It's definitely speed but also the ability to accurately and quickly consider data and crunch all the, the data. I think that's, that's, that's speed as well. But um, um, one of the things that he said that will, I think, forever stick with me is like, remember what you did in school, right? When you were in architecture school and, you know, for as, as much as we may knock it for being realistic, you know, that creativity and that design thinking, critical thinking, things like that. I, I really think that's the value that architects actually bring to the table. I don't think construction drawings are a value that, that architects bring to the table. We could find 10 different ways to get those done. Um, I don't think construction knowledge is the value that architects bring to the table. So other people that have that same or even better knowledge. Some will argue differently, but sorry, you're not in the field putting these parts and pieces together. Um, I think the creativity, the, the design thinking, the critical thinking, I think that's the value that you, and that's what's left. You know, the AI crunches data, the AI does this and it does that, but it doesn't do those um I forget how he said it, but the human things doesn't have the human touch. And I love the fact that he talks about it. It takes the architect back 
to the actual value that they bring to the project. I, I really, really love that. And he went as far to say as uh, he thinks that AI could actually save the profession. I do see a change, a major change in the profession. I do see um, architects moving from being, um, you know, uh, you know, spending most of their work drafting or, or spending on drawings to planning and thinking and letting the, you know, letting the machine generate the results much faster rather than them, you know, try to hire, you know, the best BIM or Revit uh, uh, people or, or technical person to be in the office to, to generate all, all the drawings. And, and I see it as, a, as good news, actually. I see uh, AI is a way to save architecture, not to, to save the architect and not to replace the architect. Most of the firms that I know that I met are not really, um, they didn't do the extra mile to be innovative. Um, and it's, there is a contradiction between you know, the architect as a very, very smart person with technical skills, very innovative um, in his nature. And, you know, actually invent things all the time, right? You have a new project, you explore, you almost act like an R&D center and you explore, you know, let's say you have a hospital to, to plan. So you, ex you, you really research and you understand, you know, you know this type of building um, and you, you know, and they're very smart, but when they, you know, the practice itself didn't move so far on the innovative side. You know, that's you know, that's what I mean. The practice itself, the way architecture firms uh, handle their work, um, you know, their business, where do they spend more time? Um, you know, the the processes. Um, is not similar to a high-tech company, which is, you know, very efficient and, you know, use all the technology they can use in order to make their processes very, very efficient. So there is a lot of, you know, I, I see this contradiction between the, you know, architects, how, you know, how innovative they are as, as individuals, then the, and, and then you have the profession, which has a lot of problems. That to me was a big, big statement. Right. Which is pretty much the opposite impression that I got from talking to our community about, about the idea of AI getting involved. I think, yeah, I think that's what people are afraid of is that, oh, it's going to do this, that, and the other. But I, you know, I, I spent 10 years in a firm where we worked every day to figure, and this was 15 years ago, something like that now, maybe 20 years ago now. We spent every day thinking of ways that we could just work on the things that we were best at. And we knew that the things that we were best at were, were those, the, the design pieces of it. And we did a lot of multifamily and, and designing really great units and really rentable or saleable units. Um, bringing the highest and best value to the community and to the developer, those types of things. What were we not the best at? Construction documents. We were slow and, you know, all of these things. So why are we doing those things? We could be much more valuable to our clients, much more profitable 
if we um, if someone else did the construction drawings and if someone else did this, that, and the other, and this was, this was long before we ever considered AI. I think if, if the, if what Aton was talking about had been available to us back then, we would have been a hundred percent in at that point. And I think we could have, we could have really, that would have been a huge game changer because that's, that's what we were attempting to do in a very analog way. I mean, we were still doing things by hand back then. Um, that what Aton is talking about is, is a very, very modern version relative to then a futuristic version of what we were really searching for. And so that that's my perspective. That's exactly what I wanted 15 or 20 years ago. Would have been, would have been, would have absolutely transformed the way that we practiced architecture. Yeah. And I think it will now. I think it will now. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors, systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom that you want. You need systems and procedures but you struggle with choosing which systems you need the most and how to implement those systems quickly so that you can get back to doing what you love to do the most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by acclaimed architect and business consultant, Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to becoming managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so that he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Tiger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass. And then start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free. It's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and your people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com slash masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass. And now let's get back to the conversation. I've really enjoyed our conversations that we've had about, about, I don't know how to lump them all together, but technology or the future, the metaverse and AI and the whole thing. It's just exciting. It's like something, it's a different way of looking at the world, which I think is what architects like to do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think another thing I appreciate about appreciated about this particular conversation about AI and technology and these futuristic things is this was very practical. 
I mean, they're, they're obviously doing it now, but this is very practical. I loved talking to Matthias and others about AI and like you said, in, in metaverse and things like that. But relative to this conversation with Aton, those seem very, very um, pie in the sky and, and, and futuristic. Whereas to me, again, and again, my perspective is, oh my gosh, I wish this had been here 20 years ago um, because it would have transformed the way that we practiced architecture, our, our firm did. And by the way, I don't think it would have displaced a single person in the firm. I don't think, I, I don't think our firm would have shrunk. I don't think anybody would have been out of a job. In fact, I think we might have expanded. And yeah, yeah, and I, I think there's, there's that ability. And I think that we would have actually been paid more for the projects that we worked on because we would have brought more value to the table than essentially basing our value on construction drawings and this, that, and the other, which by the way are commodities. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm fired up after, after the conversation, I think, um, you know, back, back to your point, I think it's, it's very exciting. A lot of these tech things, but I think this one in particular, because you can see it in action today. I, it makes me realize that the program that I use, which is just as, you know, basic modeling program is so much more powerful than I am letting it be. Like I haven't pro I could just program it to, I waste so much time changing its default settings where I could just spend a couple hours, just, just trying to input the information the way I like it. So can you just make the model the way I like it from the beginning instead of, it just brought it home to me that I need to cooperate with AI because it's essentially like AI, I need to actually use it the way it's meant to be used and it would make my life way easier. I think that will always, yeah, I, I think that'll always be the struggle. I think it's part of that human creativity, right? I want to do it this way. and I want it to do it the way that I want it to do it. But, but also that's part of, I think it's part of the AI thing. It, it'll learn. Um, but I, I think probably the even bigger struggle is that we, we don't use the tools that we have to the potential of those tools, anywhere close to the potential of those tools. I'm, I'm speaking quite broadly, obviously, at this point, but, but I think, you know, you, you walk onto a job site and you're going to find somebody with a hammer. You're going you're to find five people with a hammer or with hammers, I guess. And four of those people, pretty much the only thing they need to know how to do with that hammer is to bang things around. And hopefully it's to you know, drive a nail or something. But, but one of those people is going to be going to really know how to use the tool. Hammers actually can do a lot of things. You know, they're levers and there's all kinds of things that hammers can actually be used for. But not that many people use the tool to its true potential. And it's absolutely true when it comes to our, our technology tools. You know, we're recording this right now via Zoom. Uh, Zoom does a whole lot of things that I don't even know that it does. And so I, I think that struggle is how, how, do I, how do I learn and actually use these tools to the potential? What, what help do I need to get there, I think, is going to be one of, the, one of the gaps. But yeah, there's so much already. We don't even have to wait. 
that if we if we found out all these programs we use every day, if we use them to their greatest, highest ability, then we would already be way better off. How do we learn what's already already baked in there? Yeah, that's uh, that, that's uh, that's real, and I and I think, you know, when if, when we think about, you know, like you said, Swap owns the AI that they use. And they partner with people. You can hire them to do things. At some point in the future, you'll have an AI. I'll have an AI. Um, how how do we get from where we are now <laughs> to understanding how to? I don't even know what it's called, how to program an AI. I don't know, but maybe it's going to be just like a really slow transformation. Like when word processing first came out, you had to set the, you had to set the margins. Remember that at the top and bottom and the left and the right, and you had to type all that in. And then it became kind of easier. You didn't even have to do that. And it seemed like magic. Well, I don't even have to know what that is. And now there are certain programs we use that we have to have a certain knowledge to be able to get them going, but maybe it'll just be seamless and it'll just be, I don't know if I knew what it was, I would make a lot of money because I'd be inventing that thing right now, but some, some way to make it easier. And it's just like, even just thinking what we want. And there it is something like that. I don't know how it's going to work. I think that's a, I think that's a really great point. I think you're, I think you're right. The, as, as you were saying that I was thinking about the, the evolution of the things that we, whether it's your smartphone or the word processor, or, you know, the word processor is on your smartphone now as, as an app and it, and everything becomes more and more intuitive. I think you I think you're right. That's the answer. It eventually becomes intuitive enough that it just sort of becomes this. Yes. We, we learn as, as we go, but, but uh, eventually there's, there's this meshing and it's intuitive enough that we're just, that we're just doing it. I've said a million times, probably how amazing it is to have this phone, even though the phone attacked me this week, but this phone that 20 years ago when we were hand drafting stuff, would we, and we were handed this little tiny computer where we barely had, I barely had a laptop in 1996. I got my first one. And then if I were handed this thing, like this is a very powerful computer and it's a phone and it's like, you can tell the weather, you can see your friends on it. You can do all this stuff. Be like, so overwhelming. Like what, where did this even come from? But it's been such a slow evolution of these apps and it, it, there was never really like this bump feeling like we're, we're, we're making this huge effort to understand it. It's just become part of our lives in a very slow boil sort of way. Yeah. That that's, that's so right. And, and yeah, I don't remember the number and I guess it, it changes all the time, but you know, the, the, you know, the iPhone, 12 or 13 or whatever it is, is exponentially more powerful than the computers on the, uh, uh, the Apollo missions, you know, the, that put man on the moon, right? And you, and you, you think about that, right? It's, it's that much more powerful just in the computing power, but not only in all those things that you mentioned, all the things that it, it does. I brought up Terminator and Aton said, we watch too many of these types of movies. But he, he also said that he didn't say it the way that you just said it, but he essentially said what you just said. The fears from AI is you know pretty understandable uh, because 
you see on the news and you read all these articles about AI um, and it's kind of, you know, hurt the idea of AI because AI is not here to replace humans. This is not what AI is all about. AI is about, you know, taking the, you know, the tasks um, that are repeatable, that are mundane. You know, the system can learn these tasks you know, better than before and can actually, you know, create or, or generate drawings or generate results. But uh, AI is not thinking like humans. And this is not something that um, I don't see. I don't see AI work like a human being on, you know, on, on the, the near future um, uh, for sure. And I think this is um, the concern that everybody has because they see too many movies um, and they, you know, they look at too many futuristic uh, videos um, and it makes them scared. But, you know, the complexity of architecture, the complexity of planning, uh, the creativity part, the cultural aspect, the, um, you know, there are many, many, aspects and factors and criteria in architecture um you know that cannot be automated um and shouldn't be automated just a waste of time to automate them you know because people are doing it in in an efficient way as a human designer you will continue to be valuable to the the machine essentially because you do things that the machine can in the same way that the machines can do things that we take a very, very long time to do, but we have complex thoughts that it would take a very, very long time for them to figure out if they can't figure out really the difference between a motorcycle and a bicycle yet. You know what I mean? So that's why we're useful. We can all help each other. Anyway, I, all I know is that I want to be on the sides of the robots when it comes down to it. And with that, I'm going to go watch Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it behooves us to be on that, on that side, I suppose. <laughs> Well, I think it's, you know, again, it's if, if we think of it as a tool and we think of how to maybe start with what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And can you use, implement this to do the things that you don't want to do or you're, that you're not good at, or you're really slow at or whatever, so that you can just concentrate on, on those things. And at that point, you're ruling the robots. I don't know. I, I think it's great. I know I'm in the minority. It's so much faster. So much. Oh, just the memories of having to draw things by hand. That's what we're talking about. Just making our lives easier. More time for other stuff. And better. In my mind, that is a very, very positive evolution that brings more accuracy, more speed, more value to what we're doing, what we're able to do. And I, and to me, that's, that's what we're talking about here with AI, that potential. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE core for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next designing your business masterclass. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? 
If you are so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris Owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day i i, I don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.